You're listening to the Centre Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message recorded live from our Burgess Hill campus. There's a, a well-known verse. Many of you would, I'm sure, have heard it at some point in your lives. Uh, it's Proverbs 3, 5 and 6. And it says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not in your understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him and He will make your paths straight. Um, I... I personally believe that each of us, God has a plan for, right? The Bible says all of our days are, are written out in his book before one of them comes to be. There's a plan for you and for me. There's a sovereign will for our lives. And uh, I believe that his heart is for our paths to be made straight, that we're not through this world just kind of wondering what we should do, kind of guesswork, um, just kind of in unsure of of our surroundings and, and what we should be doing. But I believe God has a purpose and a destiny for you and for me. They, when we live today, that we're not just kind of putting in time, but we live with an intention and a direction because God has a plan. He already has it mapped out for us. And some of God's will for us is very clear. We see it in Scripture. What's in the Bible, there's some very absolutes. What is His will um, for our lives can be clearly seen. Some of it can be clearly seen in Scripture. Um, we don't have to guess what it is. You know, should we love? Is it right to murder? Should I uh, be kind to the person around me? You know, should I honor God with my life and with my body? All of those things we can really clearly see. Yeah, that's that's God's will. But then there's a lot of things in life that are not necessarily in Scripture. Should I take that job? Is this the house we should live in? Should I move? Is that the career choice I should take? Um, where should I? Uh, who who should I marry? These kind of decisions are not necessarily in Scripture, are they? There are some guidelines in Scripture, but there are some things in life that we face that aren't necessarily black and white. It's kind of good or, or good. It's this will or that will. There's moments in upon our lives that we've, we've had to make decisions that uh, required us to go beyond just looking in Scripture, but understanding what is God's heart, what is His will for this circumstance. And in the Old Testament... God primarily spoke through prophets. And so we see often that people would go to a prophet to seek the counsel of the Lord. If something was happening, they, they wanted to know, you know, where the donkeys were. In the case of Saul, you know, he went to Samuel to find out where the donkeys were. They, they had left and they were looking for them. So who do you go? Of course, you go to the prophet, right? That's the most obvious place to go when your donkeys are gone missing. We see other examples of it because they spoke the heart of God. God also spoke through miraculous signs and wonders, the burning bush, Gideon with this fleece, you know, one moment, should I go into battle? God, is this really you? He puts out a fleece. If the, air, the area around the fleece is, is wet, but the fleece is dry and then in reverse, or maybe it's the other way around. The point is, is that God spoke in these different ways. And yet in the New Testament until now, we have a direct connection to the heart of God, to the spirit of God. We don't actually have to live in this state of wondering. We don't have to go to another person to, to find out what is God's will. We can actually have a direct connection with God and just hear from him ourselves. You don't need someone to tell you what God's will is because God has put his spirit in you so that we can understand his will personally. Because he dwells in us. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 11 and 12, it says this, For who among men knows the thoughts of a man except for the man's spirit within him? 
In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the spirit of God. We have not received the spirit of the world, but the spirit of who, uh, who is from God, that we may understand what God has freely given us. We don't live in a circumstance or a situation where uh, God's spirit is disconnected. But when we give our lives to Jesus, his spirit comes and dwells in us. And when his spirit dwells in us, it's his spirit that reveals the thoughts of God to us. When we see in Jeremiah, I know the plans I have for you. Those are thoughts of God for you. And it's his spirit that opens the veil of this understanding of what are the thoughts of God for my life? What are the thoughts of God for the things I'm facing right now? It's the spirit of God that reveals these thoughts. Wouldn't you love to know what God is thinking? Well, we can. We can know it through the spirit. But we need to incorporate the thoughts of God into our thinking process to live out his will and desires. We can receive the Spirit, but doesn't necessarily mean that we're tuned into His Spirit. You see, the Spirit speaks into our spirit, but we can rationalize our own thoughts into it, and we can not necessarily listen or incorporate the thoughts of God into our own thought process. And that's why in in Romans 12 it says, Do not be conformed any longer to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good pleasing and perfect will. How do we know the will of God is well, we, our mind needs to be transformed with the thoughts of God. And that comes through the work of the Holy Spirit. We don't dwell like we used to before we knew Jesus, but actually we need to have our minds renewed in the spirit. We need to have our thoughts renewed so that when we start to think God's thoughts, we understand what his will is, his perfect will. What is his will for your life this week? For the things, the decisions you're making? Do you know what? God has a plan. He has a thought process. and But for us, we have to um, transform the way we're thinking by renewing our minds into the mind of Christ. Paul wrote this, but also lived it out in practice. He didn't just kind of give this mumbo-jumbo stuff in Scripture that we somehow to kind of had to figure out. But he also gave an example. And so if we know Paul's life, who was once called Saul, God um miraculously, let's get this right, miraculously saved him. He was on his way to, to, to persecute Christians who he thought were a sect. He didn't think they were really followers of God. And, and God just miraculously, mirac- I'll use a different word. He amazingly, he amazingly touched this, touched this guy and, and, uh, he, he, suddenly his life is changed and he starts to, to, uh, understand all the things that he was fighting against. Suddenly things became clear. And so we, we have this story kind of, we're going to pick it up in Acts chapter 13. And so Barnabas, who uh, was a very active person in the early church, goes and, and, and finds Saul, who at that time was called Saul. And he brought him to Antioch, who, a place that uh, God was doing great things. And so Barnabas saw what was happening in Antioch and said, you know what, uh, uh, Saul needs to come and be a part of this. And so they're there doing great things. And, and we have it in this context, what we read in, in Acts 13, verses 1 to 3. It says, in the church of Antioch, there were prophets and teachers. And there's a, well, we'll go through it. There's Barnabas, there's Simeon, they're uh, called uh, Niger, or Niger, um, Lucius of Cyrene, Menaean, um, who had brought up with Herod, the tetrarch. And so they were worshiping the Lord and fasting. The Holy Spirit 
it said, said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I've called them. So after they had fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and sent them off. Okay, so context is they're they're worshiping, they're praying. And in this context of really setting their hearts to God, God speaks to them saying, Do you know what? I've called Barnabas and Saul for the work for work. So they go on their first missionary journey. And so time goes on. Um, they're ministering. Uh, they they return to Antioch. Then Paul goes out again. So th- at this point, Saul's name is changed. So yeah, Saul's name is changed to Paul. And here then we start to see Paul, who starts to lead the team, begin to interact with the Spirit in a very unique way. And so chapter 16 of Acts, verses 6 to 10, it says this. It says, Paul and his companions traveled throughout the region of, I hate these names, um, Figra and uh, Galatia, having been kept by the Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia. Interesting. Having been kept by the Spirit by, for preaching the word in the province of Asia. Some of us would probably rebuke that Spirit, but it was the Holy Spirit. When they came to the province of Mysia, they tried to enter Benithia, uh, um, Bithynia, there we go, but the Spirit of Jesus would not allow them to. So they passed um, by Mysia and went down to Troas. During the night, Paul had a vision of a man in Macedonia standing and begging him, come over to Macedonia and help us. After Paul has seen the vision, he got up at once to leave for Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. Isn't this an interesting situation? They're on this journey and God says, no, don't go there. No, don't go there. Don't go there. And then has a vision. You need to go there. And so there's this, there's this leading. Now, wouldn't that be an interesting experience going on the mission trip? I've talked about this in, in Brighton before, this, this thought of just going out and, and we'll just see where we go. Let's just see where God's going to lead us. That's kind of, that's how they did it. There was a sense of knowing what the Spirit was saying. But then we keep following the story onwards and we go to Acts chapter 20, verses 22 to 24. It says, and now compelled by the Spirit, I'm going to Jerusalem, not knowing what will happen to me there. I only know that in every city, the Holy Spirit warns me that prison and hardships are facing me. However, I consider my life worth nothing. If only I may finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me. The task of testifying to the gospel of God's grace. I'm compelled by the Spirit. I want you to use the word compelled. Compelled. I'm compelled by the Spirit. There's something deep inside Paul that says, I have to do this because something, the Spirit of God is leading me. There's something so strong in me. And even under this understanding, with this understanding of persecution coming, the, there's one more passage we're going to read is in, in chapter 21, verses 10 to 14. And then we'll, we'll get into it a bit. After we had been there a number of days, a prophet named Agabus, came down from Judea. Coming over to us, he took Paul's belt, tied his hands and feet with it, and said, the Holy Spirit says, in the same way the Jews in Jerusalem will bind the owner of this belt and will hand him over the Gentiles. In verse 12, when we heard this, we and the people were pleading with Paul not to go up to Jerusalem. Wouldn't that seem like a plausible thing? Maybe the Holy Spirit's warning him not to go. 
Then Paul answered, why are you weeping and breaking my heart? I'm not, uh, I am ready not only to be bound, but also to die in Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. When he would not be dissuaded, he gave, um, we gave up and said, the Lord's will, the Lord's will be done. Here we have this journey that Paul lives out continually, leading a life, listening to the voice of the Spirit. And I, I want to just start with, with some things that we can gather from this story and things that we can learn in our own lives. And first of all, the very first passage we read about, in all your ways acknowledge Him and He will make your path straight. Paul acknowledged God. And when we looked at the very first passage in, in um, Acts 13, they were worshiping and fasting and seeking God. They were acknowledging God. They were seeking after His will. God, what did you want to do with the church? What do you want to do with our lives? And it was in this context of acknowledging God, God began to speak what His plans were. He speaks into their spirits what it is that He wants. And when we acknowledge God, in our lives. And I think that's probably a, a very first step that for you and I, we can have our plans, our thoughts, we can envision what our future is going to look like. But God calls us to acknowledge Him first, to stop what we're doing and say, okay, God, you know, even though this opportunity looks amazing, even though that relationship seems awesome, even though all these things would point in one direction, I'm going to stop and I'm going to acknowledge your will. I'm going to invite your presence to come and lead and to speak into my heart. And the most common way I've discovered for many believers is God speaks to our spirits. And when we look in this, this passage of even in Acts 16, where they wanted to go one to places, but the spirit wouldn't let them. Well, how did they know the spirit wouldn't let them? How did they know? Was it a sign? Was it a text message that they received on their tablets? No. It was something in their hearts that even though they wanted to preach the gospel, and that seems like an admirable thing, doesn't it? We, I want to go preach the gospel to this, to the Asia, the Asian province, but the Spirit of God said no. Why? Because God had a different plan. And sometimes we can even be doing things for God, but that's not necessarily God's plan. Jesus took time away and acknowledged the Father to know what He was to do. He joined God in what He was doing, not just trying to do what He wanted to do. And every time Jesus stepped away from the crowds and, and just listened to the voice of the Spirit, God made His path straight. The Father made His path straight because Jesus said, I, I only do what I see the Father doing. It's the voice of the Spirit in our hearts that leads us into all truth. He also, God speaks prophetically. Again, we see this in, in, in the church in Antioch. The, the prophet spoke, or there's a prophetic word that was spoken that you're to set apart Paul and Barnabas. But then again, even this prophetic word that, that came that uh, there was going to be imprisonment waiting for, for Paul when he got to Jerusalem. These are all prophetic words. And God can speak to our lives through other people as well. Okay. A second point. God speaks into our spirits. And I believe that's a primary way. But God also speaks through other people in the prophetic. There have been times in our lives where God has challenged me on things I had not contemplated before because of a prophetic word from someone else. A prophetic word calls things into being that sometimes we aren't even open for. And I, I, whether I've shared this before or not, in Holland there was a time where we were doing parachurch ministry. We were involved in the church, but we were doing work with Youth for Christ. And it was a prophetic word in the church that says he was calling us 
into pastoral ministry. And pastoral ministry was not on the farthest, it was the furthest thing in our minds. I never wanted to be a pastor. It wasn't part of my agenda. I had a life plan and that wasn't part of it. How many of you have had those kind of moments? You have a plan and then God has another plan. And it was a prophetic word that spoke something, sowed something into my spirit that changed something. At that moment it was spoken, something was deposited or released in me. Something I never considered before suddenly became a consideration. God, are you saying something here? Don't underestimate the power of a prophetic word. Sometimes it unlocks something in our hearts that we need to have unlocked because God is speaking. But even in this story, so we see the spirit leading Paul in, in his spirit. We see the spirit leading Paul to the prophetic. We see also that God speaks through dreams and visions. Paul receives a vision of a guy in Macedonia and he wakes up. There's a dream and he wakes up from the dream. And he said, obviously God is calling us to Macedonia. As you would, right? How many of you have woke up from a dream and just gone somewhere else in the world? Immediately. Not many of us, probably. We would talk to our spouse and they'd say, let's think on it, honey. I can only remember once in my life, we were again living in Holland at the time, and I, we were sleeping, and uh, I, I had a dream of Poland. And we, we had some friends, a connection in Poland, and I, I woke up from the dream, and it's the only time in my life I woke up from a dream, and I felt, we need to go to Poland. And I remember telling Donna, we, we need to go to Poland, and... Uh, I don't know why we need to go to Poland, but we got to go to Poland. And so I contacted our friends that we were, that we had there and uh, we, we went for a week in Poland and that week in Poland led us to meet an English couple. And it was our really our first contact in England. And that couple was very instrumental in us coming here back in 1997. Very interesting how God calls us through the obscure to lead us on a journey that if we're obedient to his voice, it unlocks things. It, his will becomes clear when we listen to the Spirit. It was that, that week in Poland was a tremendous time of restoration in our own lives, that of, of just some challenging times we had went through in ministry. But it was a time also that this, you've actually met Matt, Matt, Matthew Buckingham. He sp- shared here one Sunday. Uh, he pastor up in Kettering and uh, he, from the Assemblies of God. And uh, that, that, it was during that time that we were in Poland, he said to us, again, I believe a prophetic word, he says, you know, England needs missionaries as well. England needs missionaries as well. We, you know, he, he, they were challenging us. Why don't you come? You know what? Who would have guessed 10 years later, after that point, or maybe even more than 10 years, we'd end up back on English soil because of a meeting we had in Poland, because of a dream that God said, you know, to go to, need to go to Poland. And that happened to be the week that that couple was there from, from Kettering. We would have never connected all those dots. But God has a plan. And even when we see Paul, when he goes to Macedonia, he, he gets there and all he meets are women. Right? The vision was a man calling them to come. And he gets there and he tries to find the Christians and there are a bunch of ladies meeting on, on the, the beach praying. And that's the church. There's no man in sight. And it's only once he gets to jail, he meets the jailer. And the jailer gets saved. And suddenly, he meets the man. It's interesting, even as we try to connect the dots in our own head, sometimes it doesn't make sense. An example, obviously, that's not in this story that we've read. is also God speaking through his word. And there's, there's times that God speaks to us about our situations 
that we're going through in a passage of scripture will stand out in us. And that word is applicable to our situation that we're facing right now. Don't underestimate the power of scripture, even for a context that we might be facing. So in response to God speaking, so we've got these four different ways that we see God speaking. Our response is then important. Paul was quick to listen. God spoke and they just responded. They didn't just keep going with the show. If God said, don't go there, they didn't just go there because it was on the itinerary. And sometimes as people, it's challenging when God says no to you, when you've already planned to do it. It it, it seems right. Why wouldn't we do it? But sometimes when God says don't, and there's a check in your heart, even if everyone else says it's a good idea, you got to listen to the spirit of God because God knows what's in store. God knows the bigger picture. He knows where you need to be and what you need to be doing. And even when sometimes the voices or people are stopping us or trying to stop us from doing certain things, if God has called us to do it, we need to keep going. How many opportunities do we miss because we wait or ignore the leading of the Spirit of God in our lives? God speaks, but then we fail to act. It can even be the little things like go talk to that person, go do this, go do that. It's sometimes not always the big and grand things. Sometimes it's the very little things. The Spirit drops, there's a a thought in our heart. And he calls us to do something, but we don't know what that will lead to. And if we want to walk in step with the Spirit, and we want to live out His will for our lives, then it comes from a position of saying, God, you will be done in my life. I acknowledge you with what I'm, what I'm going, with what I'm facing right now. But then when the Holy Spirit starts to speak into our spirits, we need to be renewing our minds and not, not using the way of the flesh of, of reasoning and, and just working it out and try to figure out what the next 10 steps are. But if the Spirit speaks to us and we understand something is in our hearts, then we need to be quick to obey or quick to wait if God says stop. Paul stayed in step with the Spirit, which is, so he was quick to listen, but he stayed in step with the Spirit. And again, he wrote to the church in Galatians, in Galatians 5.25, to, to stay in step with the Spirit. When the Spirit says no, they, they, they listened. They didn't just keep going, but they kept seeking. Sometimes God says no to, no to us, and there's a situation we might face in life, and God says, no, this is, this is not it. This is not the time. Even though it seems like a good situation, it seems like on the surface everything's good with that. If God says no, then it isn't we just throw it out the window and we do nothing. But they kept seeking. They kept praying. They kept looking. They kept opening, checking on doors, so, it were, so, so to speak. They kept, they kept considering, well, if it's not this place, maybe it's this place. No. Oh, maybe it's this place. No, it's not that place either. And it wasn't until a revelation of the Spirit came that they actually then moved. They kept seeking. They, they, they wanted to stay in step with the Spirit. I really think, and one day I really want to do it. What I'm confident enough to do it is to do, take a team and just say, we're going on a mission trip. I don't know where we're going, but book one week and we're just going to get in the car and we're going to see where God's going to call us to. How many of you would be up for that kind of a trip? A few of you. The rest of you are doubters. I think that would be a great adventure. Where is God going to take us? Just bring your passport and a bit of money. Or we could go like Jesus told his disciples and don't take anything with you. Then we'll really be on faith. That's exactly what they did. 
And the question I guess I have for you and for me is, are we listening when the Spirit says, not now, no, or do this instead? Are we listening to that voice of the Spirit deep in our hearts when He's saying these things to us? Because it makes all the difference to us fulfilling God's mandate. When Paul says, you know what, I, I want to finish the race that God has set out for me. He knew that he was on a, on a, on a, on a direction. There was a plan. And even though if you look at all of Paul's life as we kind of, most of Acts kind of follows his storyline, we see he didn't just live by chance, even though he didn't really know where it was all leading. He just knew, oh, we need to go do this. Oh, we should go over here. Oh, I need to go to Jerusalem. Although not knowing exactly where that would all end, other than knowing that that was going to be some hardships along the way. The fourth thing is that Paul was undeterred in living out the will of God. He was undeterred in living out the will of God, even in the face of questions or even in the face of a prophetic word that was correct. But it wasn't a warning other than for him to be aware. When we know what God's will is for our lives, we must not let anything deter us from fulfilling it. When we know what we're meant to do, nobody should stop you. Paul would not let the church stop them. He's like, you're breaking my heart, guys, but I need to go. I know what lies ahead, but God's called me there. Sometimes Christians with good intentions can stop us from fulfilling God's plan because they want to hold on to us. They want to keep us for themselves. They, they, they don't maybe understand the big picture. But, you know, there are times in life God says, now, this is what your destiny. This is what I'm calling you to. And even if it sometimes it doesn't make sense to everyone else, you just got to follow that prompting of the Spirit of God. There's been moments along our journey that people have not understood why we've done what we've done. But I, at the end of the day, just knowing God has called us to this. And there's something that's amazing to know that at this moment, you're fulfilling God's plan for your life, even if it's really hard. And over the years of the challenge in Brighton, you know, there have been moments where we thought, oh, can we keep going? And yet at the heart of our knowing, of our knowers, there's this sense of we know we're meant to be here. We know we're, we're fulfilling what God's plan is. And that keeps you pegged. And there's a sense of even though it's challenging on the surface, even though it's challenging with what we're facing physically and emotionally, we know that, God, you've called us to this. And in that, we can have great confidence. And Don and I, we've decided in our lives we'd much rather take the harder road, if that's God's call, than take an easier journey, but all the time knowing we should have done something different. You see, I believe, although there's a sovereign will of God for our lives, there's also a permissive will of God. And we see people in Scripture that just push that boundary. They, 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 they wanted to do something different. And although God was warning them, or God was challenging them, God allowed them to, but they never fulfilled the destiny that God otherwise had for them. And often they got ensnared by other things. For you and I, there's... There's a purpose and intention for our future that God has laid out for us. And I I firmly believe that the the journey that God calls us to will always lead us down to a road of faith. Because the righteous will live by faith. There's There's a sense, if you're wanting to walk in the will of God for your life, then He will always lead you into a place of unknowing. Because He wants you to trust Him. He wants you to follow after Him. 
And like we see in Paul, although for most of us that might not happen in our lives where we just go out with a bunch of people walking on the countryside and just figure out where we're going. Maybe the church rambles could be like that. That would be really exciting, wouldn't it, Alan? Let's just be led of the Spirit to uh, see where we're going. Well, in life, God has this purpose and this intention, but he calls us to this life of faith. And he calls us often to things that would call us to go deeper in ourselves and maybe our rationale wants to go. And at the end of the day, it's the voice of the Spirit that we often ignore because it's the voice of the Spirit that will challenge the status quo of our lives. It'll challenge our comfort zone. It will challenge the bits of us that, you know, we're comfortable in this zone. And it's that deep spirit that if we really listen... God said, I'm calling you out into the waters, into the, into the unknown. You see, Paul's obedience opened up the door for him to reclaim the message of Jesus to the leaders of the world at that time. Although the early church and those who were struggling with this understanding of why Paul needed to go to Jerusalem, it was to Jerusalem he had to go because he needed to go to Rome. And it was in Rome that he would speak to the emperor. It was in Rome that he would speak to the highest of the high of the known world. You see, God has this destiny that makes no sense sometimes to other people, but makes perfect sense to God. My challenge to you this morning is to acknowledge God in everyday life. Not necessarily just in the big decisions that you face, but in the everyday moments of your life. When you wake up in the morning saying, God, what is your will for me today? I want to be led of you. I want to stay in step with you today. You don't know what tomorrow brings. You don't even know when you leave this place, what it will look like. And in a simple step of obedience, you have no idea what the next, what next thing could happen because of it. To be a people that listen to the voice of spirit when he speaks, then go do and be as he directs us. When God's will becomes clear in various areas of our lives, I do believe we need to be undeterred and focused in fulfilling that that plan. And maybe today you're here and you're wavering on something, maybe a decision you've already made, and you're struggling with that thought process because all of a sudden the challenges have come. And it's funny, whenever we follow God's voice, and I've shared this in the past, we, he, he, he leads us out and it all looks great, but then the storms come, the challenges come, and the We've, we have to fight the battles in the meantime. And sometimes that starts to question the will of God. Can I encourage you to stay focused to the end, to stay undeterred? And this, this prayer, and I, I want to read it one last time as I close. In, in Acts chapter 20, verse 24, it says this. I've already read it, but I want to read it one more time. And I pray that this would be our prayer as individuals and as a church. Paul says this, I, however, I consider my life worth nothing to me. If only I may finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me. The task of testifying to the gospel of God's grace. That first part of it, though, if only I may finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me. Each one of us, God has given us something. Our lives might not look anything like Paul's life. But you know, it doesn't mean God hasn't got something for you to do. And it's, it is not age dependent. So long as we're still living, there's something that we have to give. Paul says, I, I consider my life worth nothing to me. 
And I guess that's part of what Jesus says when he says, you know, pick up your cross daily and follow me. There's a sense of, you know what? It's not about me, God. It's not about my will to be done. But I consider my life worth nothing. But I do want to fulfill your will, God. That my life would, would leave an everlasting impact on the world in which you've called me to. May it be our prayer today. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast at Centre Church. One church passionately loving God and people in Burgess Hill and Brighton. To get the latest news or for any other information, check out our website at www.centrechurch.uk.